Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to Mud 79. I'm Fearless Fred Kennedy, the creator of this totally original and in no way authorized Star Wars fan fiction podcast. If you're listening to this, there's a good chance that you love Star Wars. Well, I love it too. And I've always wanted to tell my own story in a galaxy far, far away. A story that's less about Skywalkers and more about those who were on the front lines. A boots on the ground story about how those living in the galaxy survive the horrors of war. That's what Mud 79 is all about. If you are new to the show, welcome. But please be aware this is a series. So if you don't want to be totally lost, start from the beginning with episode one. You don't want to be a stormtrooper. This is episode 29, Crude Matter. The 79th platoon reaches the peak of Poacher's Hill and digs in. They're joined by naval engineers and security forces as the surveying mission begins. Within days of the defenses being completed, the security alarms go off. The encampment has come under assault. With this much support and security, did Imperial Command expect an attack? And just who would advance on a well-supplied and defended Imperial outpost? How will the 79th fare against whatever's coming their way? Let's find out. The klaxon went off. Battle stations. We were under attack? We ran through drills about who went where for days now. The rifles and heavy gunners were down in the bottom trench with the engineers backing them up in the second. Incoming. When the enemy came, everyone save medics had a blaster in hand. Scouts were placed in the third line to give adequate cover. We had free reign to set up shop wherever we felt we could do the most damage. Grenadiers were ordered to jump from watch post to watch post. Take your shot, move on. A stationary RPS is a great target. Mortars stayed up top. Their spotters on the edge, marking ranges and targets. I told Puenda to get back to the barracks grab our extra clips. I held us a spot on the southern staircase in Trench 3, the one closest to the top. Go, go, go! She just started up the stairs when two ARC 170s zipped around the east side of the hill from the north. With the second dropping incendiary charges. Fire doused the whole south side of the hill. 
and a poorly aimed rocket flew out toward them, widely missing and heading off into the distance. The third trench had a pool of fire that spilled over its front. No direct hits. You can see that at least. Fire control, trench three, southeast. I need fire control in southeast section of trench three. More mortars. They sounded like they were coming from below, but who knew? There was a lot of yelling and blaster fire. I just slid into my roll. I had my rifle and two clips. That was enough to hold me till Quenda got back. I shuffled down the line of the third trench, five meters from the stairs and leaned over the side. I had a clear view of the hill's base, scanned. Nothing. Took a look into the tree line and still saw no one coming out. But when I fired up the thermals, just because I needed to get a sense of what was coming, I saw specters. The forest was thick with vague heat signatures. There was a wall of red in there. It was distorted, glitchy. Probably had some new jammer cloak bullshit we hadn't seen before. But they were there, tucked low and hanging back. Squad 4, form up in Trench 1 South. Targon, get that Z6 up and running. We need heat. Cry, CT reports significant enemy presence making its way through the tree line. Can you confirm? CT was the comms tower, and yes, I confirmed. Tolan, I need you to give me holes, you understand? Channel them into the fire zones. Thar, range your shots for the bottom of the hill. Punish them the second they break through the tree line. Eltherium, you have the rifles. I'm gathering additional ammunition from the armory. I'll be there ASAP. The first of the enemy started moving in close along the tree line, but the thermal signature was still hazy. I had a rough go getting a good read on anything, so I just popped off a tight spread of three shots. My rifle had the penetrative power to breach the vegetation. I just didn't know if I'd actually hit anything. I knew I missed because the blob of color I aimed at kept coming, and there were more behind them. I held off. Didn't want to burn through my ammo. I'm lined in on your shot. Should I take it? Tolan had me on a separate encrypted channel. Smart move on his part. Never mind. I glanced up and there were four new arcs tearing in from the southwest. Tolan saw them coming, skimming low along the foliage 20 meters up. Probably planning on dousing the trench lines in thermals again. Tolan loosed and the arcs reacted before the rocket traveled five meters, breaking and rolling while pulling up. Either Tolan anticipated their reaction or just got lucky, because he scored a direct hit on the arc furthest back, hit the left side, and what was left spiraled down into the foliage below. Hopefully tagged a few of its own down there. Excellent shot, Tolan. The LT, always watching. One of the remaining arcs dropped its payload. 
Incendiary shells and a stream of liquid fire ignited mid-air, then drifted down. The rear tail dropping into the front trench as mutters scrambled out of the way. I watched the flames dance on the wind as they fell. A streak of orange up the side of the hill. Most of it landed above the trench, which was actually worse. It'd be trickling in as the liquid made its way down the slope. I need more fire teams to the southeast section. Trench one. I looked down my scope again, watching the tree line. The blurs were closer, a thick mass of heat. I lose three more shots and I hit something because a whole wave of activity followed. They scattered and then sprinted forward. They're coming through the tree line. It was a mass of callers. They were in groups of five or more and counted 50 at least. The lower trenches opened up, but the advancing troops had cover. Deep channels carved by runoff, boulders, debris. The first volley was ineffective, and the Sashers were grinding their way up the hill. A stream of heavy repeater fire opened up from inside the tree line. I tracked back the shop, but saw nothing. No EM signature. It looked like maybe E-Web fire, but there was nothing showing on my scope. Not even the usual signs of one of their cloaks. Must have been new tech. I fired off three more rounds, another tight burst. Who knows if I eked a shot in on the target. I felt useless and I was letting my temper get a hold of me. We had every advantage, but nothing was working. I called back to Tar on the open channel, telling her to lock in on that E-Web, pepper the tree line with incendiary rounds, stall their advance. I see it. Before she got a round off, I counted multiple enemy mortars breaking through the treetops. The enemy fire impacted above and below the first trench. And the Seshers started clamoring up the hill as more collars broke through the edge of the jungle below. More, over a hundred more. And they were leaning heavy on the trigger, pinning that front trench down while their comrades climbed up, hugging the ground for cover. I felt like I was at a shooting range, just firing at anything I could. Anything exposed. A caller was hugging the lip of a boulder, and their shoulder was exposed. I blew the joint off, watched them cartwheel back down the hill. More enemy mortars came in, and that E-Web, or whatever it was, was spitting in bursts. Lined in right on the edge of the front trench. I caught glimpses of gray scattering and shifting down the line. They were returning shots as best they could, but the enemy's support fire was textbook. Shooting at range from beneath the foliage. 
Enemy mortar rounds were landing in a steady stream up and down the hill. One came up high and I needed to drop to avoid the debris it kicked up. When I came back over, there was dust still settling everywhere while the Seshers continued their scramble towards us. They're coming through the tree line. The first wave was getting close to the front line, facing minimal resistance. Then a Z6 spun up, and I saw Targon moving through the channels and choke points. Their E-Web was bearing down on her with a trace of heavy blue fire. Just then, a few of our own mortars dropped near that E-Web's core, cause... The red balls of flame from the incendiary rounds had a sudden burst of blue. That enemy fire died. My clip was dead, and I had a count of six enemy killed when Twenda showed up behind me. Let's move, they're gonna bear down on you. Take the watch post, we'll have a better line. She tossed me three clips as we crossed over the stairs and sprinted up the ramp to the watch post. I told her to set up the charger and walk in my empties. We'd be cooking ammo. I know, I know. Don't be clean. Just light them up. Great kid. The first rush of callers was waiting on the second larger group held up by the sporadic fire. The jungle below was still popping off mortars, but the rate of fire had slowed significantly. I caught a cluster of Seshers eking up a small runoff channel. Puenda saw them too, cause after my burst, a few more shots connected. We picked off more near the hill's base, watching the tree line for anything new. I flipped on different filters for my goggles. Infrared, EM, saw some blips on the EM band. Then that signature whistle from the mortars. Not ours either. Get down! I dropped as an explosion went off right behind us. The rear corner of the watch post buckled and slid back. Gwenda was wide-eyed. I shook her shoulder and checked that she was okay. She nodded and I started packing up the charger and told her to follow me. We moved to a new position, close to where that first round of incendiaries hit. The place stunk like a mix of fire retardant and chemical accelerants. I was repositioning myself and locking in my range on the scope when another wave of seshers clambered out from the foliage below. So many, I couldn't count them all. At a glance, I'd say it was close to 200. And it wasn't just Seshers. There were more droids, separatist battle droids held together with a myriad of parts, unevenly chittering their way up the slope. Not just battle droids, refurbished protocol droids, medical droids, the lot. Astromechs with hardwired blasters. They could shoot, they were mobile, and they were coming in with no hesitation. Loosing plasma and navigating their way through the terrain in rough fashion. 
Gwenda and I were doing our part, but we were focused on the mass at the bottom of the hill. More callers from that first rush slipped through. There were already some that had gotten their way over the top, and more were coming. The Z6 kept spinning, Targon creating sandbags from bodies, and Altherium was dropping debts like an Incom targeting system. But it wasn't enough. Squad 4, pull back to the second line. Pull back! 4 was still firing, doing everything they could. Mortars were falling on both sides. From the corner of my scope, I saw a rocket score a direct hit in the middle of a mass of at least 20 Zeshers. A dark brown cloud with bits of red spray. I locked in on this blue twillet. Looked like he was ordering people to sections of the line, so I put him down. My clip popped. It was out. And I dropped to latch it into the charger when I looked up to see someone at the ridgeline behind me. Big, all in black, and lowering a heavily modified Z6. A purge trooper. One of the purge troopers? I registered confusion, then refocused. It didn't matter. I turned back and locked in a new clip. Got a bead on some of the callers that hopped into our front line and started dropping them. They were coming, a horde, gaining pace. And the lack of fire at the front let the massive bodies behind sweep in heavy. Low charge one. A smattering of D charges all along the hill went up. Not a singular row, charges placed all over the lower half of the hill. Bodies from that front mass of Seshers and the vanguard of the third wave. The blasts kicked up stones and boulders that began tumbling down the hill, mangling bodies and rolling over those too slow or wounded to get out of the way. The slope was now a wet tide of gore. You could smell the blast residue in the air, the unique peppery scent of gel-based explosives that permeated everywhere. The 4th Squad was reforming in the 2nd Trench Line, blasters kicking off as everyone took their place. The purger behind me, streaming heavy fire down the hill. Sparks flew from droids as they were filled with holes. The screams of the enemy as they fell and sloughed their way downward, bleeding out. They must have lost a lot of their spark by the time they reached that trench, because they weren't trying to advance beyond it, which was smart, because detonators started flying down from the second row. And when they went off, it was the grisliest thing you can imagine. Maybe that was intended. Maybe they were just a diversion. Meat for blasters, because... They didn't budge, and the mutters above loved them for it. It was target practice, lobbing deaths and short distance shooting. I was more focused on the massive droids and seshers behind them. 
the horde of bodies that were still climbing, still firing. Only now, they were shifting, making holes in their line. Watch the tree line. The purger. I knew that voice. Blue. Speeders, stop them. Four ad hoc speeders flew out of the tree line at speed. They were little more than buckets of bolts. With grav lifts so decrepit, they singed the grasses and shrubs below them. There were no pilots, no droids, just speeders screeching on auto. Full throttle, fast as some fighter craft. Our scattered blaster fire impacted with no effect. Even the purger lined in on them. The lead speeder cleared the front trench, taking the head off a collar who didn't drop. It was eating fire from Targon Z6, then just shy of the second line. It blew, a massive explosion near the fringe of Squad 4. But the explosion wasn't the danger. The speeder was filled with shards of scrap metal and stone. Shrapnel. I felt something tear into my left arm with such force I jerked to the side. I fell over, slamming into Puenda, and we hit the bottom of the trench. Less than a second later, another speeder blew. I heard the screams, despite the ringing in my ears. Fall back to three and blow the second batch of charges. All of my energy went into focusing on where I was, just trying to stay in the moment, shifting into my training, relaxing my body into doing what I was taught. Then another explosion, the sound, shockwave. It was close and hurled me forward. Quenda beneath me. We slid and rolled along the mud. My ears were ringing and I had a sensation of falling, but also rising, as if coming out of something. Specks of earth and stone were dropping down, clattering into my rear plate. I was just trying to breathe. The wind had been blown from my lungs. I rolled off Brenda in time to hear another explosion. Then more, but distant from above. I was just drowning in stimulus. My ears were filled with chaos and my nose was clogged with dirt. I couldn't breathe. I just tried to focus. Then I sat up and blew my nose. A mix of blood and mud. Blenda's eyes were open and she looked up at me, confused. You're all right, I told her, then started getting up. My rifle was beside me. I tapped my webbing and counted my clips, then told her to check her count because we had shit to do. Kept her focused on the task at hand. Don't think. It only complicates things. Mutters were clamoring by at this point. Troopers getting dragged and dropped near the entrance to the trench. We were holding the third line. This was it. I need a medic! 
The Purger was up front, flanked by Targon. The two of them spooling away with Z6s, shredding anyone dumb enough to try and use the stairs connecting the trench lines. You good, Corporal? The sergeant was right in front of me, but I could barely register what she was saying. Still, I nodded and leaned back over the trench to open fire. It was chaos. My circle of sound was small. I just wasn't hearing things like I was underwater. My senses weren't registering properly, but I knew I needed to bring down the enemy. That's all I could focus on. That's what I knew. And I could still shoot. So I did. The first speeder explosion did more damage to the attackers than us. They must have reinforced the bed because the blast angled up and to the sides. Troops, stay low. With our troopers tucked low in the trench, most of the shrapnel went overhead. But it wasn't at all kind to the callers coming up near the first line. Then that second speeder blew, and it managed to kill and wound a few mutters down front. We need a medic over here! But Sergeant Gentala was still able to organize a stable retreat, guiding the survivors back up the stairs, relying on her key troopers to prod the FNGs along. And again, the angle of the blast saved our asses. Luck. Pure, blind luck. What threw me and Quenda forward was the third speeder that went off behind us. Had we been any closer, our bodies would be akin to ground chuck, fit only for sausage. It exploded with such force, it collapsed the rear half of the trench, our duraweave bagging in shambles, and mud spilling into the walkway, covering our duckboards at the bottom. I was wondering what happened to the fourth when the ARC 170s came in for another pass, flying in formation around a small shuttlecraft, something close to a sheathapede, the kind used by the Trade Federation, but like all of their vehicles, it was beat to shit and bulkier, retrofitted, armored for combat. It pulled up with the fighters and swooped in, started circling. Opening up on our position with laser fire, mowing the trench lines, buying their ground troops time to advance. I tucked in and held myself against the front wall, peered up to see rockets fly through the sky, but didn't hear an explosion. I need scouts to the northeast section of the wall, on the double. I nudged Quenda with my boot, making sure she got the message. She nodded, fiddling with her rifle. It's fucking jammed. Something shattered in the uptake. I'm spraying plasma when I pull the trigger. She had a nasty burn that sprayed back along the right side of her face, and there were blisters forming all over her ear. I told her we'd figure it out, which was bullshit, because I had no idea what we were going to do. Outside of leading her over open ground, 
while there were arcs circling overhead. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I grabbed the webbing on her shoulder, got her to her feet, then we hustled up past the purger who was bellowing orders. They're funneling up the drainage ditch on the left. Focus your fire in that direction. Get some depths on them. Quenda and I came up the stairs and looked out at the crest of the hill. The once clean Duracrete, now pockmarked with deep gashes and blaster scoring. Tar was still firing off mortars, spotter staring at us in confusion as I sprinted past. Then I saw what made that final explosion, or rather series of explosions. The fourth speeder had gone off after impacting the comms tower, which had crashed down into our barracks. Now there were puddles of propellant and wafting smoke rising up into the air with fire crews dousing the flames. Which explained why so few engineers were down with us holding rifles. Something flashed in the corner of my eye. The light from the Ark's cannon as it strafed the camp. I dove, sliding along the hard surface. While I rolled over, I saw it pulling up as a rocket chased behind. The rocket hit square beneath the left wing and tore the fighter to pieces. A bright orange explosion. Then Quenda shuffled past, continuing to the northeast section. The fighting there was heavier than in the south. I didn't even get to the actual trenches. I was right on the brim of the hilltop. When I looked down, there was heavy fighting between the third and second trench line. Twice as many Seshers on this end, maybe more. Squads one and two were doing their best to hold them back. Three more blown and burning speeders littered the hillside. A trail of dead that stretched back to the tree line. Wounded enemy combatants bleeding out, flailing, screaming, struggling to escape. Fragmented droids following programming, firing away at any hostile target that came into view. Right, let me get a look at you. Husto crouched near a row of wounded while Bama was dousing a blown limb in a hard back to casing. The sergeant prodded my shoulder and pain shot into my neck, riding a nerve that gave me instant agony. A shard of metal ripped its way into my arm and I didn't even realize 
I was riding adrenaline, but now that I was aware... You got shrapnel in there, Corporal. We'll get it out after. Here. He injected a dose of pain meds right into my collarbone, in the gap of my plating, then tore open my sleeve to expose a bloodied shoulder cap. He pulled out some pliers and reached into my deltoid and pulled out a jagged chunk of sheet metal. Then he hosed the wound down with Bacta. I flinched when a rocket flew overhead. I looked up, hoping to see an arc in a tailspin. And I did see one of the enemy fighters soaring past with a trail of dark smoke, but those things were incredibly well built. It had been hit, but not a clean impact on a joint or anything. She was struggling to stay airborne, but still mobile, just limping away to somewhere. I glanced around, and our grenadiers were doing a great job with the heavy weapons. The enemy was wary, and without proper air support, their advance was having a rough go. Nice of you to join us, Kwai. Dial into channel 33.6. Mondi sprinted past as Husto waved me off while taking a close look at Quenda's face, specifically her eye. Go! I scanned the edge of the fourth trench and found an open spot that gave me a clean angle of the enemy scaling up the hillside. I saw heavy turret fire coming in choked bursts, a malfunctioning E-Web. It was coming in from behind a toppled speeder. One of our snipers down the line was popping away at it, trying to hit something. Just let him have it, keep him down. Before I got the first shot off, someone managed to hit something important. I assumed the E-Web's power cord. Sparks flew everywhere, and this Sesher just flopped backwards, writhing around with a pretty brutal-looking plasma burn on their face and torso. I put him down, which was a kinder way to go than having your flesh literally dissolve under a wash of radioactive goo. Watch Detroit! They're pumping up and the hardliners are using them for cover as they shift around. Edge up the north stairs! They're trying to flank us! Got it. Sonder was right. The droids were covering the Seshers as they made their way up the stairs. They arced back and forth. The layout meant they needed to fight for every step. It was a fluke of design that had them pinned, and by the look of the dead bodies lining the space between the second and third trench line, the Seshers had at one point tried to go over the top, sprinting over open ground. With the amount of bodies plastered everywhere, I assumed they tried a few times. What surprised me the most were the amount of Navy engineers in with the mutters on this side. Focus your fire. They'd only rolled in to put out fires where we started. And also, I was impressed by how accurate and controlled they were with their blasters. There are just certain things someone who's been through the shit will do under fire. It's the body language and cautious familiarity in the way you move. They had it, and I suddenly gained a lot more respect for our starborn brethren. 
First and second were tossing a steady stream of deaths into the clusters of enemy forces. And that's what was driving them to the stairs, forcing them into our line of sight. He needed to be quick. No hesitation, just take the shot. A one-eyed human with a blast collar rounded the band and sprinted up. He was covered in blood. Got tagged three times before I put one dead in his chest and he dropped. That wasn't normal. These fuckers must have been riding a lot of cams. Saw a dead bounce down into the stairwell, only to have it thrown back and blow midair. I tucked down, and when I opened my eyes again, a group of four seshers and a droid were sprinting their way up to the third line. That could really change the pace of things. They had numbers. They lost so many, but still had the advantage. They just needed to get to us. I flipped the three-round bursts and ate the rest of my clip. Someone else was doing the same, just peppering the exposed stairs with fire, doing our best to hold them back. That droid crumpled in a wash of sparks, but I'm still moving, still shooting. It's targeting computer attempting to lock in. Fall back to the fourth line! Watch the stairs, Sergeant. They're at second curve and point to charge. Acknowledge, Corporal. I watched as Sergeant Kyra rearranged the squad and poised himself to lob debts down at the gathered sessions and rush the mutters forward. They had injured, and he was trying to execute a full evac. We all knew what happened to anyone left behind. The seshers dragged you off, filmed you getting tortured, then leaked it on the hollows. Or in the more severe cases, handheld projectors. Let it percolate via fear and rumor. Kyra wasn't gonna let that happen. Those carrying wounded fell back as the debts blew. I saw some seshers and droids move up at the same time. They got a round or two off before a barrage of fire from the scouts at the top put them down. We were killing so many at that choke point on the stairs that piles of bodies were acting as cover. The seshers had to climb over their own and were exposing themselves in the process. It was slaughter, and they kept coming. Sergeant Kyra had evac everyone save his heavy gunner and two rifles. I only knew the heavy gunner. He'd been with us since the beginning, but I wasn't friends with him. A human named Hellman Rang from the Bryant chain. An industrialized cluster of asteroids on the edge of the inner systems. I had to admit, though, he was really displaying some excellent fire control up there. Kept the Z6 spinning away and holding off just when the plasma was starting to scatter. He had a sixth sense for when those pricks were advancing and would lift and just spray down the hill. Blue charge lines, three and four. A massive double chain of blasts went off. 
and the three remaining mutters sprinted up the slope, wildly shooting behind them as we offered cover from above. Everywhere you looked, there was a target. You fired a few rounds and dropped, shifted along the wall, fired again. Always stick to the training. Rest is breached. Enemy bird on deck south of cops. They do not leave. Bring them down. I had a need to fall back. Secure the crest. I was afraid I was gonna get shot in the back. So, I scanned the hill below. The dirt and dust still blowing from the chain of decharges. So many dead. Enemy forces shuffling along, looking for places to hide. Squads one and two kept unloading. Some of the enemies succumbing to fear, turning back, only to be shot as they ran. They switched out my clip, had one left, 20 shots, that'd have to do. Then I circled back around the mess hall behind me. There were a half dozen mutters from first squad lined up along the western ridge, firing at the enemy below. Some FNG sprawled on the ground by their feet, passed out with back to foam coating the left side of his face. I could hear the fire coming from the other side of the mess hall, that distinct sound of the DC-15A carbine. I turned the corner. I was on the south side of the mess hall in a borderline alley with the medical prefab to my right. Up ahead was the muster point, the main clearing at the center of our watch post. With the crumpled comms tower crashed into the mud barracks on the other side of the muster point. That sheathapede I'd seen on approach was laying at an angle on its belly, right in the open. The rear cargo entrance popped wide. A small shuttle, but you could cram a dozen sets of boots in there if you tried. I was hugging the mess wall, needing to cut off the line of sight. Then fire flashed ahead of me, coming from the right side. A toilet sesher fell back, had an A280 and was firing in bursts. They were falling back and tucked into my alley for cover. I put them down, double tapped, just to be sure. I didn't realize they had someone with them, and my shots just acted as a warning. Because they dropped and rolled into the opening ahead of me, then fired. I was already falling back, and their shots zipped so close, I felt the heat. I ran to the southern edge of the medical prefab and rounded. There were mutters from the southern line circling around through whatever cover they could find and firing into the muster area. Not aggressively. Selected shots, aimed, careful. You needed to be. This was a nightmare situation for friendly fire. Eltherium was one of the mutters advancing from the south. Watched him snap a debt from his webbing. Beautiful. I wanted to see where that one landed. Just watch him in action. Came around the prefab just in time to watch it plunk down in front of that sheath of pee. Then, the explosion lifted the shuttle and rolled it over. 
That thing was toast. I scanned the line with my scope. Fire was intermittent, mostly coming from the hillsides. Blaster fire and spatters of detonator explosions. Whoever came off that enemy shuttle hadn't gotten far. Red, blue, sweep the hit. Now all other troopers reported the trench lines to advance on the enemy. I want this position clean within the hour. I was still scanning the hilltop. Eyes open for anything. Then I heard a voice behind me. You have your orders, trooper. I suggest you obey. It was one of the purgers. I nodded, playing the ever-obedient soldier, and got back to the southern slope. I had assumed we were still on the ropes, but the enemy was torn to shreds, literally. I had never and have never seen gore on this scale. The entire hillside covered in the dead and dying. The craters from decharges, mortars still falling. The rubble strewn in the lower half of the hill. And that smell, ripped open bodies, fresh earth, plasma in the air, you choked on it. I came down the steps, still taking it in, and shifted into the third trench line with the rest of my squad. There were shockingly few injuries on our side, and everyone who made it out of the first trench was still combat ready. Bleeding, wounded, but able to shoot. And they were shooting at a more relaxed pace. Pot shots at anything still demented enough to be advancing. Jintala asked where Puenda was. I shrugged, said she's with Husto. She sighed and told me that I'd do more good in support and to just hold back and watch for anyone popping up what I'd been doing the entire time. Very simple plan. Split the squad, patrol the length of the trenches, move slow and deliberate, one at a time, killing anyone that didn't surrender. And if we ran out of binders, just kill whoever was left. There was a lot of contact during the sweep. Blood was hot and the mutters were opening heavy rather than giving the enemy an opportunity to lay down arms. Most of the enemy, 95% of them at least, were high to the gills on stims and freak juice. This concoction of hallucinogens and narcotics that amps you up, makes you feel invincible, also makes you incredibly aggressive and delusional, which is why they were so eager to charge headlong into a well-dug-in enemy position. But I wasn't down there, I was up top, watching, and I was bored, just scanning the line as they advanced, observing everything and giving them a heads up. Helped Tar guide a mortar round into a decent cluster of enemy guns that were showing no signs of capitulation. Tolan must have been down there too, or someone else with a C7. 
The slug thrower was firing steady. They were always loud, even when there was blaster fire everywhere. There were only two times I even squeezed the trigger on my E-11S. The squad was closing in on the first trench, and this Miri Allen went over the top and tried to run for the woods. Held up a chunk of a droid as a shield, but it had him slow and off balance. So I just shot the makeshift shield, and the force of the impact threw him off balance and he flew forward, then rolled and flopped down the hill before coming to rest at a cluster of fallen seshers. Wasn't moving, so I went back to scanning the line, then loosed a single warning shot on another prick who was trying to beat in on our approaching mutters. It wasn't meant to be a warning shot. I just missed. Hit the A280 in his hand. I don't know if they wound up taking him prisoner. Didn't see him again, even when we were processing the captives. Squad four were heading back up the hill to the deck when the Navy ships started coming down. A single Sentinel class, flanked by eight ties. The fighters broke and started circling the airspace around the hill when the Sentinel began its landing approach. It spun around. Its cargo doors opening while most of the front end was still airborne riding the grav lifts. Medics and grav stretchers came off first, met by Vama, who was explaining the logistics and guiding them to the collection of wounded, who were all laid out against the northern trench. There was the usual contingent of buckets and a few white coats, low-ranking naval officers who were being oddly respectful when they met with Largo and the LT. Those types usually dripped pop, but not this time. They chatted with the guys running the show and then put the buckets to work while we got some downtime and were assessed by the medics. I was sitting with Mondi, Targon, and Tolan, ripping our way through sticks and ration packs while Altherium was explaining exactly what was going on down in the trenches. They were crazy, wild-eyed, and aggressive. Yeah, they'd walk right into oncoming fire. It was nuts. Exactly. I'm not sure they even knew what was going on. They just had this need to kill, like Poda apes, but with guns. I dropped a dead right in front of one of them, and she just looked at it like she didn't know what it was. And then, boom. I saw that. They elaborated that our new batch of FNGs performed surprisingly well, with Tolan mentioning that the new training sims must have gotten more realistic and helped condition them better. Look at you assholes, just sitting around when the brass rolls in. You trying to make us look bad? Fuck you, Murray. I handed him a stick as he dropped his pack and took a deep breath. So, what do you want to know? Obviously, we wanted to know everything. I think we all figured this was a bit more than we were being told, right? A very safe assumption, and 
Was it ever? Apparently, Command really was trying to map the cave system beneath us, and they really did bring an experimental piece of surveying gear from the Navy. But most of the Navy techs weren't Navy techs. They were plain-clothed stormtroopers from recon units. They were brought in to help secure the payload. This whole thing was a trap. They ensured the Seshers knew the surveying gear was on the surface via their spy networks. Everything we'd done had been to give the enemy a heads up about where we were and how seriously we'd taken security. The scans, the fly-ins with a sentinel, they needed the enemy to bite. And given how desperate they were for an edge, they did. Murray explained that he caught wisps of intel himself, that some heavy hitters in larger resistance cells and holdouts from the Clone Wars were offering substantial support for the secessionist cause if that surveying gear was captured. Command tried smaller things before, but no one bit. They figured this was an acceptable risk to sweeten the pot, and our platoon was personally selected by the 2nd Division's new CNC because of our track record in the Western theater thus far. Murray took a long haul off his stick. And the purgers? Those creepy pricks were in the comms building the entire time, waiting for the enemy to show face. They were the ones who brought down those ARC troopers that came in on the lander. Well, not all of them. Orto caught one from behind and put a round point blank in the back of his head. We raised a fist to our father in the field, while Murray kept filling in the blanks. He was by the LT, dug in with the third squad, providing extra firepower whenever needed. When the shuttle came down, they fell back to assist in securing the crest. Our gab session was cut short when Captain Largo came in over the open comms channel. Platoon 79, brought to the muster yard for inspection. Time to go. I thought so, anyways, until I saw two refurbished land speeders coming down the Sentinel's cargo ramp. But these weren't generic civilian hovercraft. They were beefed out, held together with welded plating, and armed to the nines. The same things the Seshers would use. The Purgers are back in the mix? What was Imperial Command expecting? And now that the attack has been repulsed, what awaits Solomon Kwai and the Mutters from Platoon 79? That's next time on Episode 30. There are fouler things than huts in the dark places of the world. Thank you for joining me this week on Fearless Fred Presents Mud 79, a Star Wars fan fiction podcast. If you haven't already, 
Make sure you follow the show so you'll never miss an episode. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review us. It helps grow the show and will make my contemptible harpy of a producer very happy. We're available for free at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and wherever else you get your favorite streaming audio. You can also listen at CuriousCast.ca. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information and a full listing of Mud 79s cast. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at fearless underscore Fred or email me at mud79 at curiouscast.ca. This show is hosted and written by me, Fred Kennedy, and Dila Velasquez, the Harpy, our producer. Sound design is by moi and final production is by Rob Johnson. I'll see you next week for more Mud 79.